Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Rob Harrington, Sherelle Millen, Sherelle McMillan with the night off. Uh, but Rob and I are going to talk about this FBI probe and all the Yahoo sports stories that have come out over the weekend. And Rob, I'll start just in general. Uh, your thoughts, and is anything really surprising? Certainly from a you know, these payments were happening perspective, I have not been surprised by any single thing that I've seen reported. I could see a whole lot more stuff and not be surprised by it. I think what is surprising to me and certainly has been very surprising to the people involved is the fact that the FBI chose to get involved and turn this into a criminal matter. Because for the longest time, it was, well, it's harmless. It's compensation for services delivered. It's only an issue because CAA says it's an issue. And if we ignore the NCAA, then who cares? I think that's what has caught every everyone off guard because even to the extent they were mindful of NCAA enforcement, you know, like a college coach, they just thought they never would get caught because no one had any incentive to talk. Now that the FBI is involved, people are talking. And of course, all the names have come out as to who's gotten what to a certain extent. But let's, let's talk about Carolina specific first and the Tony Bradley issue. Uh, you know, details aren't, completely out there but it doesn't sound very problematic if at all but tony bradley's father responded immediately your thoughts on that situation and uh you know i I just don't think that bradley and maybe the bryce johnson one even wendell carter one is that big a deal your thoughts there i don't think so either i mean nothing i've seen from the carolina side would indicate something truly threatening, at least in my mind, that that would pose a danger to a banner, for example. Especially, I mean, I agree with you there. There are different levels to this whole business. Part of it is, in those cases, it's a it's a legitimate client meeting. In any other context, it's just someone trying to recruit a client, and that's it, paying for a lunch. You know, not even lavish parties or anything like that. I mean, it's it's basic business practice. And again, it's only an issue with the NCA because of its rules that that people are now arguing about. But that's part of it. The other part would be a player getting a significantly you know, bigger chunk of change, sort of like what has come out about Dennis Smith and NC State. You know, that that goes beyond standard recruiting practices into, you know, we're, we're trying to really sink our hooks into a player. And then the third level and the most explosive one from a college fan point of view is when the coaching staff was part you know, was in the pathway from agent to player in, ter- in terms of the money chain. So like a Rick Pitino being on the phone with people discussing payments to players or a Sean Miller allegedly being on the phone discussing payments to players, that's the the third prong, and that's where you will certainly see uh, potentially devastating consequences for those programs. Let's look at – let's just sort of address the meal issue. And like I said, it's not a big – let's take them one, two, three – You know, I tried to explain it to my children and I'm like, they're like, why can't somebody get a free meal? And I'm like, well, you just can't. And I tried to give them the example. Look, I'm a graduate of Carolina. If there was a recruit for Carolina um, that Carolina was interested in or a high school player and I took him out for dinner, 
and paid for it, that's potentially NCAA violation. Ridiculous as it sounds, uh, but you just can't do it. And they couldn't understand why that's a problem. So in your take, you've dealt with this uh, forever on the recruiting side. Why is that even an issue at this point? I mean, what's the big deal there? And I'm speaking strictly meals, you know, a couple hundred bucks, if that. You know, what's the point there? It, it all folds back into this impermissible benefits and you know the same silliness over the years people have complained about well why can't someone you know, make a t-shirt with their name on the back of it and sell it outside of high school or something little things like that i mean in especially in the case with meeting with agents when they're they are on their way toward potentially becoming actual legitimate clients then it just seems so harmless to me and especially at those dollar amounts i mean the some of the restaurants that are involved you know and i and i confess that i like that kind of food sometimes but <laughs> it's funny that if if you were really trying to you know, pull a heist you probably wouldn't do it at at a chain restaurant in a mall or something like that or a place of that caliber so the whole meals thing it, it's just they they have very bright line rules because the NCAA, although it will never admit this, simply is not equipped to adjudicate nuance. And that is something that the Carolina fan base understands all too well. That it's, okay, well, you slept on a player's couch. That's a violation, you know, period. And in the end, that also saved them because it was, well, it just didn't cross the threshold within the bylaws to constitute a violation. But the NCAA just doesn't have the enforcement power so now that the FBI is involved, you have a lot of different gradations to how different individuals will be approached for different purposes, and the FBI can pursue them toward different means. I mean, it's the FBI, they have the, the full prosecutorial power of the government, and for them to flip people the way that they're flipping them. Remember in the past, if it were a former player, you know, especially something involving private schools that, that are not susceptible to freedom of information requests stuff would just go away but you can't do that to the fbi and so that's why this this digging i think every has everyone so very nervous but the the meals themselves the impermissible benefits part of it, it as you were explaining to your kids you know it's kind of laughable yeah and of course carolina got burnt uh, several years back on the football side of that and that's why it's interesting to me to see in the last couple of days, it's, you know, guys that may have been a part of that, gotten those, and their team said they're good, they're playing. And we saw that um, locally and we saw it nationally. Let's talk about maybe the Dennis Smith case. And I don't do it just to talk about NC State, but explain this process to me. Um, a guy in high school gets this kind of money. Um, is it to go to a specific school or is it strictly just to sign with a specific agent and a specific company when he's out of school and after he's done his one and done there there's no formulaic way to know that uh, it can take a lot of different forms in some cases we were talking about up front the the most dangerous path for any of these programs to be caught in is if the if the coaching staff was involved with the agent to say hey we'll we'll facilitate the ultimate transaction to you as the agent you facilitate this transaction his signing with us then that's, of course, one way it can happen in a, a very big problem. In some cases, it's merely like that kind of money could just be, hey, sign with us when you're done at the end of this year. I definitely, and, and I have seen this constantly, I've seen it, especially in the media. I think the fans understand it better than the media. 
that just because a player was getting money, for example, at Dennis Smith, doesn't necessarily mean that the coaching staff knew or that they condone that they can't police everything players do when they're not around. It isn't that difficult to, I mean, I know it sounds like big dollar amounts, but sometimes the way it gets distributed, it's just not, it's not something you necessarily would notice. And I don't, I don't think anyone necessarily has the right to investigate someone's personal finances too much. You know, if you're, if you're a coach, you'd be the coach. So I don't, I wouldn't assume anything about the coaches unless they are directly implicated. Now, if the FBI has wiretaps on Sean Miller, that's a very different scenario, but if it's just a player went off and did something the player shouldn't do, then that's on them. Yeah. And that's the trouble being a college coach. You know, you've got all these guys, they're, 18 to 22 years old. Most of these guys we're talking about now at the time are 16, 17 and 18 year old guys. And it's just tough to police. And that's why I just think it's, you know, I've got mixed feelings about it, but when you're talking about a situation like Sean Miller, and if what they say is accurate and if they do have what they say they have uh, a, he's got to be done for forever from coaching, I would think. And I want your opinion on that. B I would think the school uh, Arizona just takes a tremendous hit. So your thoughts there, and were you surprised that uh, the player played this weekend? They said he's done nothing wrong and they played him, or was that just Arizona? Arizona's giving a big, you know, for lack of a better term, middle finger to the NCAA. <laughs> well, I think that's part of what makes it so interesting is the NCAA certainly cannot supersede the FBI. And and if the FBI will will meander along as it will, the schools involved can just say, no, we don't find anything weird, you know, buzz off. And there, there's a little bit, they can stonewall some. Now they might even be right, but even if they aren't, they don't have to work on an, an NCAA timeline or under their directives because the NCAA understands that it's not going to, you know, it, it's, it doesn't have concurrent jurisdiction with the FBI. You know, even though there are overlapping issues, this is an FBI thing. So I'm not surprised that you know, everyone's denying it on all sides, basically, um, all a lot of the various situations, and they they have no reason to fess up to it at this point. You know, at least as as long as it's just being reported in the media. So your take on the overall impact on college sports, or specifically college football and basketball, and that's not to say that payments and whatnot don't happen in other sports, but specifically. Uh, we'll stick with college basketball in this. How does this affect, you know, everybody talks about this bombshell reporting or this bombshell investigation. How does it affect uh, ultimately the product that is college basketball uh, that everybody is into that makes so much money for everybody but the kids? But that's another story. Or maybe that is the same story. Your take. I think that because the – NCA is so protective of its model. It has to allow for this kind of thing to happen. I mean, of course they aren't going to admit that, but the NCA isn't being fooled here by any of this. This is a necessary byproduct of sort of rigging the market the way that they have. And, it, and, it, and I think everyone thought we'll just turn the other way on things. We know this is happening with everyone's making money, but now there's a criminal component and, depending on how that part of it unwinds. I, I don't think there is some existential threat to college athletics precisely for the reasons that you identified that nothing about it is really surprising. I mean, may, maybe some people 
really thought that players weren't getting any money or not very much money. But this has been going on for a very, very long time. And I don't I don't think it will necessarily force the NBA into doing something in terms of changing one and done, although they have con- they have discussed openly possibly altering that rule. But I don't see anything that is a permanent threat to college athletics uh, unless it were to rise to a level where you know, other actors within the federal government were to get involved and say, okay, this is enough. This is farcical and you know we do have some jurisdiction we have some power over these people but i haven't seen anything yet to suggest that it looks like a you know a big scandal that will play out over time and like other big scandals that have played out over time business will return to usual i mean i I would go obviously to very different situations but look how quickly the situation at penn state normalized after you almost literally the worst possible thing that could happen to a program, you know, the worst thing that can happen there. And for them to recover the way that they have, you know, people have short memories and, and there's a lot of power, or there's a lot of push and interest in these programs to see their continued success. So I'm not convinced that we're going to see some, you know, existential change. Do you think the and last question on this end, do you think the FBI involved, do you think any criminal action could become of, or could come towards any coach. I don't think a player would be into it, but any coach, assistant coach, or anybody in, involved with the school, or do you think those are specifically on the agents and and those type players in this? I don't know how that part will go because, to be honest, the the criminal aspects of it are above my pay grade. Uh, I don't I don't quite understand the theory that their FBI is operating under in every instance, and I, and that has been I've seen criticism from lawyers about it that this is sort of a, it's a little bit of a goose chase. It's an adventure for the FBI rather than something that is sort of anchored to established criminal process. Now, again, above my pay grade, but I'm not sure how to predict the ways in which the coaches themselves will be implicated other than, you know, certainly they've been, they've been brought in into evidence, but you know, what is the FBI's purpose and end game? Really don't know. Yeah, that's the thing to me. It's almost like they're doing the NCAA's dirty work and they're able to do things that the NCAA can't do and it undercovers. I don't know. Maybe it cleans up. Do you think that uh, the one and done deal, and I saw a thread on Inside Collins message board that I was looking at as you were talking that, you know, do you think that's to blame? Do you think, obviously money's been involved for a long time, but if they got rid of that and just let kids go straight to the straight to the NBA, do you think that would clean up any of the the money that's in it, at least on the high school going into college level? It would certainly get some of it out, but not all of it. I mean, some of the players who've already been wrapped up into it were not one-and-done types. And to sort of echo back to the prior point about the FBI and what it's trying to accomplish, you know, when, when they announced the initial charges, this is the Southern District of New York office, an extremely aggressive prosecutor's office they had a lot of fanfare it it was almost like a a media event you know with graphics and you know this we're going to expose the underbelly underbelly of college athletics i mean it felt more like they're trying to get to this you know they're doing the media's job i mean i think you said they're doing the ncaa's job it feels to me like they're doing the media's job like hey look at all this stuff we have the thousands of hours of calls or whatever it is uh, I, I think it's really fascinating. I would like to know what the internal workings are and, and how it got started. 
Uh, but in terms of, you know, just the how did to fix one and done or to, I think, yes, that would certainly get some of the big money out of the game, but, but not all of it by a long shot, especially when you consider, I mean, if you consider these lunches to be infractions, any decent player who might sign an overseas deal with no NBA future could have a lunch like that for a hundred bucks. I mean, because there are agents who just do the overseas side as well. So that certainly wouldn't fix it. Last question before we take a break. Do you think uh, at any point where the NCAA come around and pay these guys what they're worth? I know Jay Billis is big on free market, but do you see, and I'll never say never, but do you see any situation where that ever would work on the collegiate level? I think it's really problematic in terms of how to, to maintain an entire athletic department on the backs of the two revenue sports. You know, morally, I think the players certainly need to be paid. I know there's some thought, well, maybe they could go outside and seek it through third parties. But at that point, you're basically just you're you're opening it up to boosters to hire players. At that point, you might as well just let it truly be free. I don't I don't think there's an easy answer to it. You know, I, I go back and forth on it. I would like to see them be compensated. Certainly, the revenue sports players who are generating all this value. It really didn't bother me for a long time. You know, when when a head coach was making half a million dollars a year, eight hundred grand a year, to me that's that's just executive compensation. You know, it's lucrative, but it's it's it sounds like executive compensation. When it started to get to you know ten million dollars a year in these massive massive contracts with some of the coordinators in football now making seven figures, it, it's become so disproportionate that it it's difficult to ignore. And I think a lot of people who we're not as troubled by it now are because the players are still flatline where they were, but everyone else is getting more and more rich. Yeah. That's the thing I saw with the Sean Miller deal. I read something that even if they fired him with calls, they'd have to pay him $10 million. And that, first of all, that cannot be accurate. If it is, what a great contract he signed, (laughs) (laughs) but, but it's all over, you know, paying a kid, potentially paying a kid or a kid's family, a hundred thousand dollars. It's like, what is wrong in this world uh, when that could happen? Rob, let's take a break. I'm going to come back. Let's talk about this version of North Carolina basketball as we round towards the end of the season. We'll do it right after break. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. All right, Rob. Tuesday night, senior night in Chapel Hill. Joel Berry, Theo Pinson, Andrew Rollman. Uh, has there been a uh, bigger senior night at, in Chapel Hill? I guess there has with Page and Hansbro and all those, but... Barry and Pinson have probably been two of the more decorated players as far as team success that North Carolina's ever had. Certainly. I mean, I think the the emotions in the building will be through the roof. I think not only because of the individual contributions and, and not only because of the team success, but because there's been a lot of, of conflict around the program the past few years, as we know. And it feels like as of last fall, you know, they finally got through that part. I mean, 2017 was about as great a year as you possibly could have for the basketball program. So 
I, I think a lot of that will will come to the surface when those guys are sent off. And I, I expect and I'm looking forward to a great send off for them. Looking at the team as a whole, they struggled early. You know, had that three-game losing streak. Your thoughts on how they've really come together. A lot of people, you know, have made the connection that maybe, you know, a guy left the team and they really bonded. But whatever happened, um, to go from five and five in the conference to where they are now, probably one of Roy Williams' better, if not best, coaching jobs. And certainly it's – up to the players to make it happen. And each and every one of them has stepped up, Barry, Pinson, Luke May, Kenny Williams, all those guys. Your thoughts on what ha- you know, what changed on the court uh, that really got this team going? It's, it's funny because I, I, I hear what you're saying about someone leaving and maybe the team chemistry improves. My default position would be this is sort of standard Roy Williams team behavior. You know, they get to February, the rotation tightens up, Suddenly, they start playing with much more urgency, and I think this this group of guys in particular, because they've accomplished so much. I mean, they know when legacy basketball is being played, and I think they realized, you know, after that Clemson game in late January, it's okay now. Now there's a real issue about do we make the tournament, or if we do, is it a halfway decent seed? They were able to do that. I mean, to win you know, multiple games in a row to now have a potential. I mean, shot at a two-seat even, it's really quite remarkable. Your thoughts on Luke May's performance? Sherelle and I have talked about him a lot. And Sherelle, I think his quote is, it can't be overstated what he's done, um, especially going from last year to making that shot to his performance this year. Just your, your thoughts on how he's come along. I, I mean, it, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. You You really can't overstate it. And especially as someone, in my case, who saw him so much in high school, to to really get it that wrong. I mean, I liked him. I thought he would develop into a solid player. I thought he I thought his offensive game would look a lot like it looks now, but not nearly as effective. I mean, I never thought that he would be someone you ever would discuss as a potential All-American. And the the fact that he made such a big jump not only freshman to sophomore but sophomore to junior, that's the more, more shocking one to me. I mean, his progress last year, I thought, okay, that that's kind of in line with what you would expect. The sophomore to junior jump, though, is almost unprecedented. So have you ever seen a guy, and it's not to say had he missed the shot against Kentucky, would he, he, you know, given his work ethic, he'd probably still have come along that way. But if you look at it, he makes the shot and then he just takes off. Have you ever seen a, a player that you followed over the years, Carolina player or not, uh, make that jump? Because the jump's usually freshman to sophomore, but, you know, he goes from, and I won't say nothing, but it goes from a, a regional where he is the MVP of a regional, hits one of the more epic shots in Carolina history, and then he's just off the charts. I mean, have you ever seen that before? I can't really recall it to this extent. I mean, I, I know that Michael Jordan has talked his entire career about how the, his freshman year shot put him on the map, using his exact words. Now, of course, that's a totally different situation, but he read a lot of significance into making that shot more than I would I would have thought at some point. Well, that's just your career would have been the same even without that shot. I'm not sure he believed that. And I think in Luke May's case, it legitimized him you know, not only as a Carolina player, but but someone people take notice of nationally. And his confidence from game one this season was through the roof, and it was obvious. And from the things that Sherelle had heard, especially last summer, about who was the leadership 
who was playing a leadership role during the summer scrimmages. It was Luke May was always mentioned right there with Barry. And so that sort of was the first flag, like, okay, the situation may have changed. But even then, I never would have predicted that it would turn out quite like it has. So they've been playing small ball. They're still, you know, quote unquote, small ball. They're still leading the nation in rebounding differential. But I think a guy that's probably surprised me the most is Sterling Manley. And I know he's easy to talk about given how he's played, but you you followed a re- recruiting game and and you've seen how these guys progress, um, as with Luke May. But Sterling Manley's progression, at least during this season, I think he's poised to be pretty good Carolina big going down the road. Your thoughts overall on Sterling? Oh, I do too. I mean, I from the first couple of weeks of the season, I was like, okay, he's he's the one. Because not only does he have the best size of the three freshman big guys, but I think that he has the most intuitive offensive game. And eventually Roy Williams is going to go crazy from all the small ball and he's going to, he's going to want to play inside out. And I think you know, Manley is not there this year, although recently he's shown some signs. I think next year I, I am expecting a very big jump from him because I think what he lacks is core strength and lower body strength. And so a lot of the balance and finishing issues that he's had have resulted from those deficiencies. But even over the past couple of weeks, I think you see him using his shoulders a little bit more. I mean, they, they work out during the year. It's just tough for them to, to make the same games during the season. But I think he's going to be excellent. And so that's why, even though they're still recruiting a little bit in 2018, I wouldn't assume anyone they would sign at this point would start over Manly. It could happen, but I wouldn't assume it. Yeah, I think one of my favorite things that I've seen from him is, you know, he clearly got fouled on that dunk attempt late the other night against Syracuse. And he tweeted something after the fact, like, I got to get stronger. And that, that, I think, like you mentioned, core strength and lower body strength, I mean, he's got an innate ability to know where to be. And when he gets it figured out physically, I think he'll be as solid as, you know, he'll be a guy we're talking about, maybe in a similar vein as Luke May uh, next season, year after. But let me ask you just in, in general, your thoughts on this Carolina team and their um, ability to go deep, whether it's the ACC tournament, which could be, tough especially in the semis and the finals but in the NCAA tournament do you think they're where they need to be you know it's it's tough to pick against them given the last two years um, but a lot of people have especially before this run but your thoughts on their chances going into March it's funny because all season I've wanted to compare them to the 2006 team I do think they the styles are different but they have some similarities you know, coming off a post-title year with so many heavy personnel losses. I think like that team, they have more vulnerability in the tournament than the standard Carolina team does, mostly because recently their defense has slipped some. And if if they don't tighten that up as, as phenomenally as they've been on offense recently, if they don't tighten up on defense, they are subject to an upset defeat. I'm not predicting that to happen, but I, I don't – not as – as bullish on their final four chances as some of the fans, other fans are. I think, uh, I think they can make a deep run. I definitely don't think there's any there. I don't think there's any team that would overwhelm them. Even if they played Michigan state again, which is, which is a bad matchup. I don't think they'd get overwhelmed this time. I think they could beat Villanova. I think they could beat UVA. I wouldn't favor them in those games, but I think they have a, a solid shot to come out of the first weekend. You know, we'll see how they finish and how they get seated. And then at that point, you take your shot the second weekend. But to me, 
if they finish top three in the conference and they make it out of the first weekend, I mean, that that is just a fantastic season based on where everyone thought they were. And I thought they were in the preseason that would be a tremendous coaching job, as you mentioned, one of Roy Williams' best. Good stuff, Rob Harrington. I appreciate you taking the time to join me. I know you've been busy, but it's always good to talk to you, man. You too. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.